welcome to Failing Forward. Can you introduce yourself for our audience? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, Ryan Shepard, Executive Director of the CARE Global Innovation Hub. And why is it important for us to talk about challenges and things that go wrong? It's a good question. I think so. I think it's important to humanize the stories and the lessons that are, are out there to be learned. We know that there's certainly no linear path to success. And uh, I think sometimes it can be quite lonely or even frustrating if on the road to a goal or, or to someplace that you're modeling after someone else that, you know, you run up against roadblocks without any sense of how to navigate. Right. And so while, you know, it's important to keep the big goal in mind, I think it's also important to know that there won't be a direct path. And then, you know, so how do you keep on the path when things go a little bit differently than you thought they would? And tell us about the context of your work. What are you doing and what are some of the challenges you're facing? My work within CARE is focused uh, primarily on kind of our domestic presence in our domestic space. So it started with us opening the Global Innovation Hub, which uh, exists at our headquarters in downtown Atlanta. On the one hand, we had a physical co-working space that we managed, 40,000 square feet of offices, conference rooms, and event space, private uh, meeting space, open collaborative areas, that, that whole kind of kit and caboodle. And on top of that, uh, we were, or I should say to complement that, we were also running programming that often borrows from uh, CARES work around the world with the ambition of bringing and testing these great ideas that might be applicable in the U.S. context. And so we were still relatively early in that work. We hadn't even been open to the public for a year yet when the pandemic hit. So we're certainly, you know, facing our own set of challenges and, and constantly trying to find ways to be relevant. And, and so one of the big ways that we are hopefully adding value during the pandemic is standing up a new piece of programming uh, that looks to break down barriers to food access while creating jobs uh, and supporting community-based organizations that are uh, looking to get food provisions to folks who need them most. And in that process of, of rolling out all those new innovations, what are some of the biggest things that went wrong for you? The biggest barrier that maybe we faced was just the skepticism from some of the folks that we shared the idea with. To be honest, especially within the organization, and I think it mostly came from healthy places of you know trying to push constructive um, feedback. But because so much of it had never been done by care before, I think a, a big part of our work was just one, maintain the confidence that this was an idea that could get off the ground, but also not to be so discouraged that we missed the lessons in the journey, right? It would have been easy to just quit at the beginning. I mean, we even had some folks that, you know, sit very high and tell us that it wasn't the best idea to pivot in the way that we did during the pandemic. Um, but I think we kept a, a sense of possibility, a sense of perspective, and over time have been able to bring folks along. So that would be the first one, be confident and maintain a sense of purpose in what you're doing. And then I, I think also, you know, be flexible because the way that you envision it is never how it's going to go. And so again, how do you find ways to focus on your North Star, but explore, you know, new paths or new new ways of getting to your final destination. It's been really critical for us because even the, the way that things have happened in the past few months, it's like there's new information every day. And what we thought might have been a you know, quick three or four month program 
is looking like it's something that may be valuable for 12 months now, right? So how do we adjust very quickly and even kind of revisit some of our own goals and expectations in the process? And then lastly, I think you, you just have to maintain and find humor when you can, right? Be willing to to laugh at yourself, to laugh at the challenges, to find ways to smile in the middle of it. Because again, I think sometimes it's easy to take the setbacks personal or it's easy to be discouraged. Um, but if we find ways to enjoy the ride, even when things don't go the way we wanted them to, it makes it a bit more bearable. Can you give us a specific example, something that you thought would go one way and just didn't turn out like that at all? Um, without naming names, I guess. We had gotten to a point where and this all happened quick. Gotten to a point where we felt like we had, you know, a decent idea, had bounced it off of a few folks external that validated, yo, this is a need that we have in the community, or hey, this is a capability that we think we could bring as a partner, or this is something that potentially, you know, could get funded. And I remember um, pitching the basic framework of this to a small group of internal stakeholders. And I mean, I could have, I could not have been more deflated coming out of that conversation because there was just very little enthusiasm, very little support or even imagination about what we were trying to do. But there were two important takeaways for me from that. Number one, firstly, I just realized, yo, I probably could have done a better job of selling what we were doing. Clearly there was some, something about my method or the way that I was delivering the concept that just wasn't effective for that audience. And so, you know, taking that as a chance to be self-reflective and really thinking about what our story was at that time and what we felt we were bringing to the table. And that has helped us to be, I think, much more convincing and much more effective across different audiences. And then number two, it was to not take it personal, right? I think, you know, again, because this was something that our feeding, our summer feeding and jobs program and this whole thing, it just hadn't been done within our organization in this way. You know, it wasn't personal. It was people trying to understand an idea that was new, that was complicated and that will require a lot of things to go right during, during highly uncertain times. Um, and so rather than thinking of it as like an indictment on me or on my team, really trying to find the constructive pieces of feedback there and say, great, okay. The feedback that we got is that it seems complicated to coordinate across these number of partners. So how do we make the coordination piece as simple as possible, right? The feedback we got was, hey, I don't know that we're going to be able to reach X number of people in such a short period of time. Great. So how do we prove this gonna, in a pilot or a micro example that might be able to scale up? So, yeah, that was a, I, I won't ever forget that conversation, that's for sure. It was discouraging in its immediacy, but I think longer term it made us stronger. It gave us a greater sense of, of purpose for me. It motivated me and it, it helped us to, I think, uncover better ways to tell our story, better ways to be effective, to break this down into smaller pieces that we might be able to prove and ultimately build something. So a couple of the things I'm hearing you say about how to do this well, one is about breaking stuff into smaller chunks that you can you know, do a little testing and get a little data that you can convince more people with. Yeah. One is about, you know, listening for the grain of truth in the discouraging feedback. It's not, you know, there's something in there you need to respond to, even if it doesn't feel very supportive at the time. I think there's also something about just uncertainty and and people are uncomfortable in a moment where everything is uncertain 
I'm really struck by the fact that care does this all the time. We go into new contexts, we start new right. things in places we've never worked before, where we know some about the context, but not everything. Yeah. What do you think made it different trying to do that in the U.S. than trying to do it in the Philippines, which we did in 2013? Yeah, I think a healthy bit of fear or concern, is, for better or for worse, I think sometimes, you know, our harshest critics are the folks that we're most concerned about are those closest to us and the people that we interact with the most, right? And so I don't take it lightly, the decision for our organization to get involved in things in the U.S. Like that's a big, big shift. And that's, you know, that that's very different than the way we've ever operated. And so I think part of it is like, all right, if we go into programming in the U.S., we've got to nail it. Like we absolutely have to nail it. There, there, there feels to be like a heightened sense of pressure to do it well and to do it right. I think maybe some of that is motivated by our constituents here in the U.S. support a lot of our work around the world and wanting to continue to demonstrate value and to prove that uh, we, we can kind of meet great challenges. And then on the other hand, I think, you know, as we have our own moment of reckoning in this country, um, it kind of tacitly reveals that we are not a perfect union and that we have deep challenges in the U.S. And it's not always popular to point those things out to other folks in our country, right? And so I think some of that is also kind of bubbling underneath it where, you know, especially before we had these kind of several months of uprising and of protest and of people speaking out about systemic injustice and about how it shows up. It's, and even after that, it's still kind of taboo for in some circles to say, hey, like there are parts of our country that are broken. There are parts of our country that are neglected. There are people here who don't have a fair shot. There are people here who don't have access to resources, right? And so I think there's like a heightened pressure around that because as soon as you go down that path and you start to talk about those things, uh, number one, there's just scrutiny that's going to come from certain circles. But number two, I think the burden of proof becomes much higher uh, than it is in other places that are very actively and openly addressing some of their challenges. So I, I think all of those things were a part of it. But for me, that's part of, I think, what inspires me about the work doing things in the community and in the context that I operate in, understanding that we have a chance to be impactful and, and such a long way to go to get to where we want to be. One of the other things I heard you mention was around needing to reduce the complexity, that there were a lot of moving pieces and, and that there was some discomfort about that that was probably valid. Are there yeah. other lessons like that operational about reducing complexity or about making other changes that you've learned as you've rolled out this program? Yeah, for sure. So a lesson that applies to this, and I think many other pieces of my work is just the importance of storytelling, the importance of knowing your own narrative, knowing your own story, and just being able to communicate it as clearly and effectively as possible. You know, being able to fill in the gaps on things that might be difficult um, or, or not familiar to folks or difficult to understand or not familiar to folks is important. And again, I think just, just keep going. You know, they say half the battle showing up, and sometimes it's hard to show up. There's some mornings that I don't feel like showing up and, you know, mix whatever your personal stuff is. We all got stuff going on and work stuff. But if you just keep going, you keep showing up, the path eventually does reveal itself. Uh, I just, I just fundamentally believe that. And sometimes the best that you can do is just be courageous enough to face another day. You might not get any 
huge thing done. You might not be on the evening news. You might not get a pat on the back from, you know, leadership in your organization. But the fact that you made it through another day gets you a little bit closer um, to the ultimate purpose. And uh, yeah, I just try to keep it simple in that way. We've talked a lot about challenges from inside care. And as we're trying out something that on the one hand is what we do all the time and on the other hand is completely new for us. So were there challenges outside of care? Yeah. Were there I, other kinds of challenges you were up against? Certainly there were. So we, you know, so at the same time that we're trying to rally support internally, we're also trying to kind of convince external stakeholders to take this journey with us, um, especially folks who were not very familiar with care or were questioning why would care be, you know, even acting in the U.S. context. And then there was also, I think, in the frenzy of everything um, around the kind of COVID response, there were different motivations in the atmosphere around us that we had to be very discerning as we navigated, right? So one of, our, one of the core pieces of the model is that we partner with gig platforms that think of like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, TaskRabbit. Those core partners have been amazing parts of our journey, but not all, not all kind of tech companies in that space were willing to take the journey with this in a way that matched our values. And so uh, we, we had an organization that was just clearly not values aligned with us that we had, you know, kind of had these advanced conversations with, and it was a difficult decision, but it was the right decision to say, this isn't the partner that we can go forward with because these are the things that CARE believes in. These are the things that we're supposed to stand on. We've got to make the difficult decision to say no to this that has potential funding implications and march in a way that, that feels true to our values and the communities that we represent. So, you know, there, there were all of those things that were swirling in real time. And we tried to do our best. Again, I think the very best we can do is to be open to new information and to be led by our moral compass. And if we find the right balance between that, you know, we can get truly remarkable things done and we can take our mistakes and turn them into lessons that we apply down the road. If you had to do it all over again, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? That's a great question. I would have been ever so slightly more assertive around the things I just felt to be true. I think that, you know, doubt started to creep in in some of these like kind of early phases and it had the potential to derail us and it also kind of created a, a little bit of uncertainty um, within our team during some of those early moments. And so I wish I would have leaned more confidently and more firmly into, look, I understand that we don't have all the answers, but these things are true. And let's focus on that and let's push ahead with that. You know, secondly, I, I would have tried to take, uh, you know, and, th and this was hard because things were just moving so fast, but I would have tried to take a step back and be, you know, maybe one or two steps ahead in terms of structure and sequence. So just trying to put good habit, maybe have us the wrong place, but good routines in place, especially within the team environment that would allow for more predictability, more kind of reliability and structure, knowing that so many things were uncertain, right? And that could be simple things. Be diligent and be enthusiastic about your weekly check-in. Just do it and go all in and go all out and, you know, whatever that may be. 
if you have a team culture that includes, you know, some weekly happy hour or you do some team share out or you kick off your calls with, you know, somebody telling a joke or what's up in their life, whatever that thing is, lean in and do it enthusiastically because it might seem silly on the front end, but it does help, I think, to provide those little pieces of consistency, especially in a very uncertain environment. So I would have done much more of that. I think just being, as, as much as I say, you know, I, I learn and am learning the lesson. Don't take things uh, personally, find the truth fi or find the nuggets of truth or, or whatever. And it, I, I would just have done that better. <laughs> I would have been much more focused on the pieces of the puzzle that are constructive, that are beneficial, that are helpful, as opposed to maybe internalizing some of the environmental challenges or some of that popped up, those types of things. All of that, I think, helps us to, to go forward and to do, do the work with greater effectiveness and better passion. One thing I heard you talk about was being more confident in the things that you knew to be true. And we're operating in an environment where there's so much uncertainty and what we know to be true changes every day. Yeah. But we're, we're used to the illusion that there is a single truth we can measure and that we can prove. And a lot of us, including me, who sits on a team that's all about data, have to try to figure out how to work in that space. How do you think about that, of what you know to be true, even when we don't have perfect proof? There's this, this quote that I love that I came across in college and just think about it, you know, a lot of times in my day-to-day -day life. And it says, commit yourself to the strangeness of the future. And part of what that says to me is that we'll never have perfect facts. And as long as we, you know, maintain a spirit of curiosity and an appetite for knowledge, then we can continue to like get closer and closer to things that are true. And so again, what we know to be true might be something really simple. It might be, hey, if I wake up today and I knock it out the park in these two meetings, then perhaps I will have convinced, you know, two important colleagues that this is something, you know, worth considering. And the thing that I know to be true is that I have to bring my passion, my belief, my enthusiasm to that and do my best to communicate this thing in a way that they could understand, right? That might be my truth for today. And as we go along and as we kind of learn and, and we have more proof points and we have more reps at it, now the truth may evolve to this is a real need. I can demonstrate that this is a need based on these community partners, based on these folks that we've talked to, based on this result from our pilot. You know, perhaps this is something that might apply in a new context and just kind of scaffolding it from there. And, uh, and so in some ways, it's kind of matrix neo what's my inner truth there's an element of that that goes into it believe in yourself to thine own self be true find the confidence to break through that to me is a big part of the truth and then also just you know having both the curiosity and the humility to piece together the things that we might experience or observe in our work and in the environment around us and hopefully build on those things towards some big end we've spent a lot of time talking about things that didn't work and how you've had to overcome them what are you excited about for the future? This is really new work for us. So what, what are you really excited to see happen? Yeah, I'm excited about how things have, um, you know, really progressed in a short period. Um, we started delivering, coordinating and delivering care packages that contain meal, meal food, food and meals um, on April 15th. Is that right? March, April 15th is when we did our very first care package. So for this initiative, which is just 
what, three and a half months ago, like, which is crazy to even think about it being such a short period of time. In that short period of time, we've been able to deliver literally hundreds of thousands of meals. We've been able to establish partnership with organizations that, you know, many folks thought would be out of reach. Think of like these big national partners. But we've also been able to go deep and be supportive of hyper-local organizations that might not even be known outside of their community context. And so what makes me most excited is that we had this thing that was a dream, it was a vision, it certainly wasn't perfect, it still isn't perfect, but every day that we keep chipping at it, it's getting a little bit better, it's being a little bit more impactful, and at the end of the day, it's making human impact. So put aside my ego, put aside the egos of everybody else that's involved here, humans are getting connected and humans are helping other humans. It's something to celebrate every single time. I, I feel good about the momentum that we've built in a short period of time, and I can't wait to see where it takes us.